Welcome, Crossbridgers. Uh, my name is Kevin, and I'm the lead pastor. And uh, man, I am so thankful uh, just to be able to share with you. Um, this new series that was mentioned to you, uh, I'm really, really excited about, and not just for you, but for me. Um, as I think about wiggle room, uh, just being completely transparent, I, I need it in my own life. And so um, I am excited about studying it, and I'm excited about applying it to my own life and then sharing with you what I see and how I'm applying it, and I hope that that works for all of us. So we live in a world that demands us, I mean, it demands us to live at breakneck speed. And the question would be, do we really have a choice to slow down and to create wiggle room? Um, You know, I was thinking about this week, do we have a choice? Do I have a choice? Or am I just at the mercy of, hey, This is 2019. This is the world we live in. This is how it works. Um, I'm kind of excited to explore that question and to begin to think, what what does it look like to intentionally try to step back and to create wiggle room? Um, You may be saying, Kevin, what do you mean by wiggle room? Here's here's where I want us to start. Um, This idea actually came to me. It was a series that I saw uh, branded by a church called North Point uh, Community Church out of Atlanta. Um, Andy Stanley is the pastor there, and he didn't call it wiggle room. They actually called it breathing room. Um, but when I looked at it, I thought these are such like uh, the idea, right? Which is, you know, um, the idea is so practical and so good and so needed. And so uh, here's, here's how he would define it. The space of the distance between our current pace and our limits It applies to our schedules, our finances, and our relationships. Let me read that one more time. The space of the distance between our current pace and our limits. So it's it's talking about, man, we run and we live fast and we we run hard in our calendars and our pocketbooks and our relationships. I mean, everything is just, man, it is tightly compacted into what we know as life. And, um, and, And that's how we live. And yet, where is the breaking point? Where is the limit? For most of us, the assumption would be that we are living so tight and so fast-paced that we're living right next to the limit. Years ago, um, I heard a sermon. It was actually, it was another sermon series. Um, It was actually preached out of North Point. Um, I I love listening to Andy Stanley. And and this was years ago. Um, And they called it Margin at the time. And I thought, you think about even a piece of paper, right? Or you think about even my Bible here, there's margins on the edge. There's extra room outside of the words. Can you imagine if you read a book and there were no margins, it would look weird and it would feel restricted and tight and would not feel good. Life, I think our lives are the same way. And I think we've gotten to the place where we've cut out and we have very, very, very minimal margin to have space for anything else that isn't predetermined. And so um, that's what we're taking a look at. So many of you just figured out, right? You don't have any wiggle room. You're like, upon definition, you've just figured it out. That's where you're at. That's okay. I'm there with you. So what does it look like to have wiggle room? If, if we were to dream about what life could look like, um, I, I remember when growing up, my sister and I um, watched religiously Little House on the Prairie. And um, I look back at that show, you know, everything about it, like, if I watched it now, I'd probably find it boring because it doesn't move fast enough. Um, yet I look back and I think, 
Oh, like they just kind of, they had a life where they'd go to work or they'd go to school. They'd come home, they'd eat dinner together. And then they would like sit around the table and talk. And then they would all go to sleep and say goodnight to one another. And it, it was just this simple life, right? And so if we were to dream about it, dream with me, what would it look like to live a life with margin or wiggle room? You'd actually have time to hang out with your family in the evenings. Like you might sit down and you do dinner together and then maybe you'd say, hey, let's go like watch a show together or let's play a card game together. My guess is for most of you, your families don't look like that. Um, You'd actually have time to develop friendships and say, hey, I'd love to be intentional about getting some people in my life and developing community with one another. You wouldn't have to drive 80 miles per hour to get to your next meeting, which you're already three minutes late for. Um, You'd actually have money left in your checking account at the end of the month. You could actually sit down for a coffee with someone or a meal with others without staring at your clock and recognizing that you have a very small window and you got to keep your eye on it because you're headed to the, you're headed to the next meeting. You could show up at church, you could show up at the Peru campus online or Morris, and, and you could listen without thinking about the 15 things you have to do when you're done listening here. Am I talking to you? Probably. So all those things, I think, we think of them as probably normal. And yet I think it's probably not the healthiest way to live and not the way God designed us to live. I saw a quote that I thought was really, really good, and I would love to hang up somewhere. Um, and it just kind of, it made me smile, and yet I thought, it's so true. Listen to this one. It's okay for your closets to be stuffed with clutter, but it's not okay for your lives to look like your closets. <laughs> um, I thought to myself, like, I, I, I go through my closet about once every couple months, and I reorganize, I clean it, I put certain shirts with certain shirts, I change piles around. I, I'm, you may think I'm sick, I, but my, my closet gets cluttered quickly, right? Our lives get cluttered quickly. And, and, you know, your closet is one thing. Your life is something completely different, is much more important than your closet. The other quote that I saw that's just so simple, but I think is so true if we would buy into it, is that life is better with margin. Life is just better when we have margin. So what's at stake when we live with no wiggle room? Number one, I think our well-being suffers. Eight out of 10 Americans, I was looking at this um, poll, eight out of 10 Americans say they are stressed out. Now we know that can look like a lot of different things. There's physical stress, there's emotional stress, there's mental stress. I read something this last week that stated that, this is interesting too, the greatest source of our stress, two things. We could probably guess what they are. Any guesses? jobs and kids. Um, I wish I knew if, I I think kids, what they meant to say was teenagers, Um, but I I could be wrong. Maybe it's just because that's what I have. So where are the places in which, um, you know, again, uh, we suffer? Let's continue to move on. Our relationships, they suffer uh, when we don't have wiggle room. I was reading this week and I found something that did not surprise me at all. Relationships are actually something we need in our lives to de-stress. But with the demand of our time, meaningful relationships are cut short. Isn't that interesting? The thing that we would say, I don't have time for that. I don't have time just to sit and talk with you. You know, I don't have time for coffee, which it it may be the thing that actually would de-stress you and would actually make your day go so much better if you would make time 
for something like relationships, which we are built for that matters so much to us. I was thinking about even in light of small groups this, this week, you're, you're starting to hear about our small groups. March 2nd is when you can sign up. Um, we encourage people not just to come and to sit in rows or to, you know, we encourage people to sit in circles because we would agree that relationships matter. Maybe even, you know, you may say, hey, Kevin, relationships do matter, but my, my schedule is just too tight. And what I would say is that's probably why relationships even matter more so. You need them. You need them. They are what keeps us planted. They, they are like a solid foundation, and we were built for relationships. Um, as I speak about relationships, just um, keeping it real it would be this. I also think this. When we are completely stressed out, no wiggle room in our life, living life at its fullest possible potential with very little space left over, guess who pays for that the most? our relationships at home. I can tell you there's been many times where my daughter will say, what is wrong with you? It's really her way of saying like, hello, I don't think we did this. But for some reason, you are not your normal self and we are getting the results of that. Sad, but it's true. You know, and then the final thing I'd say in regards to what suffers is our relationship with God suffers. For many of us, um, God has, has just gotten squeezed out, plain and clear. And I said this last week, I'm going to dive into it more next week, which I'm, I'm actually excited about. But the greatest enemy, the greatest enemy in regards to our relationship with God is our hurriedness and our lack of space and him getting squeezed out. Um, Matthew chapter six, where I want to talk to you from, three verses. Here's what it says, 31 through 34. So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he'll give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Isn't that the truth? Let me pray for us before we go any further. Father, thank you so much Man, I am thankful uh, that I get to do what, what I am doing right now. That, God, you give me the opportunity um, and, and, and the call upon my life to be able to share your word and your truth. Even this week, it was fun to study and to think and to write. And I, I just pray that you're going to use these words and that you'd apply them to our lives and you would help us to find some wiggle room um, that we would be healthier people and that our relationship with you would benefit from it, our relationship with others would benefit from it, that our overall health would benefit from it. And I ask all of this today in Jesus' name, amen. So looking at that passage, um, there was just a few things that jumped out at me. And really what I wanted to do this week is really just kind of get us started in thinking about this and then get into more details in the upcoming weeks. And so as I, as I looked at this passage, the first one is this, is sometimes I think Jesus wants us to quit running after everything but him. I know it's hard, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to you as one who struggles with this as well. So I'm not speaking to you as one who has it figured out. I'm speak, speaking to you as one who's trying to figure it out. So we're in this together. Um, I found myself, in fact, it was, it was this last week, um, Wednesday. I, I had an 8 a.m. appointment. Um, I had an 8.30 appointment. And I had a nine o'clock appointment. I had a 10 to 12 appointment. I had a 12 o'clock appointment and I had a one o'clock appointment. And 
truthfully, some days when it gets like that, they're just, they're scheduled too tight. There's not time to transition from one to the next. And so sometimes then, like, things get behind, right? And, um, and so I was, I was racing through these, like, shifting gears, different appointments to different appointments to different appointment. I was in my 12 o'clock, which actually got started about 12.15. And it, it, it was a, I mean, it was an important appointment. But one of the things I noticed was I thought there's, there's no way I'm going to be able to be done to leave at 10 till to get to my 1 o'clock appointment, which was outside the office. So then now I'm, I'm in the midst of a meeting my mind is already on the next one, and I'm texting to say I'm going to be 10 minutes late to the 1 o'clock. Send. And then they send back, K, okay, right? And you, you've probably all done that. Like where what happens is our brains are already to the next thing, right, which actually takes us out of the current thing. And um, then well, here's what's funny, right? It's 1 o'clock. I'm, I'm like, okay, that's it, that's it, that's it. I got to go. And I run out of the meeting. I run to grab my coat. I run out of the office. And as I'm running out of the office, I felt like the Lord whispered in my ear. This is how he does it. Not an audible voice, but he whispered in my ear and he said, are you not the one who is preaching on margin this week? And I was like, yes, I am. And it's obvious I have a lot of work to do myself, right? These are areas like that there's so much, I think there's room for us to grow. And, And if we would, if we'd be intentional and, and listen to this. Do we ever pause to ask ourselves, what are we chasing after? Are, are we chasing after the right things? Are we chasing after the right? Why are we running so fast? Matthew 6.31 says this, don't worry. So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? Um, now, I, I kind of classify that as like provisions, right? That um, one of the things he's saying is God can take care of the birds of the air here, and, and you're asking these questions about provision. He, he could take care of you. He goes on to say in verse 33, seek the kingdom of God above all else. How simple that is. How simply said, how difficult to do. But seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And then it says what the consequence of that will be. And he will give you everything you need. He will give you everything you need if you will seek him above all else. I thought to myself, like, that is really hard to do. It, it's hard to, not to get distracted and start running after all the wrong things. It's hard sometimes. Like, I know this. Many of us run really hard. We work multiple jobs. We, I mean, we, we're clocking in early and we're leaving late because we are worried about provision. Now, that's not to say you should just quit your job and stay home and say, God, I trust you with my provision. But I do think there is something about what does it look like to still work hard and put in a good day's work, but at the end of the day, to trust God, to seek him above all else, and trust that when you do, he can provide not necessarily, I I hate to tell you this, not necessarily all that you want, but he can provide all that you need. Here's some of the questions I found myself asking. Who am I seeking to impress? Who am I living for? Who am I putting my trust in? Am I living to impress others or God? Am I living to impress you? Is the reason I run so fast to accomplish this for how it looks for me or what it looks like for you? That, those are humbling questions. 
In fact, I read some things that caused me to ask much deeper questions, in fact, than just chasing after stuff. Could it be that fear is driving us to live maxed out lives? You're like, fear? Fear of what? And here's what I would say. I remember several years ago, Pastor Isaac preached a message on this. I thought it was so interesting. Um, He talked about the fear of missing out. The fear of falling behind, the fear of not being successful, the fear of not mattering. Um, We get one shot at life and we want to make it matter. That's important to me. I mean, for me to tell you, like, um, it's the way I'm made up. Like, as I pastor this church, it matters to me how I do this. It matters to me your perception of me. It matters to me that at the end of the day, I feel like the church has gone forward and therefore um, there has been success. Who, I mean, who wants to say, yes, my greatest desire, God, is that I would serve you and be a failure? Probably, probably none of us. My guess is none of us get up in the morning and say, how can I fail today? I can't wait. I'm gonna fail big. That, that all of us, there's something inside of us that is seeking significance, that, that says, I want my life to matter. I want to invest in things that matter. But, but I was thinking here, right? Am I chasing success to combat my fear of failure? Or am I in this truly? Am I living this life not for my sake, but for Jesus' sake? Am I seeking my own fame? Am I, am I see, or am I seeking to make Jesus famous? And then and listen to this. This is, oh, this is like, this is heavy, deep stuff, but I want you to process it. Do I trust that Jesus loves me, success or failure? Do I believe that Jesus just loves me for me, not according to what I can produce and according to what I can accomplish? I, I, I think that is really, really important. It's a deep question. It's a hard question, but we need to ask it. See, um, I don't want to uh, live driven by fear of failure, but I want to live with a faith that as I put God first, as I seek him above all all else, that I really cannot fail. See, and then it determines who are we allowing, who are we giving power to, to say success or to say failure? Are, are we so much living in this world that we're driven um, by the world, um, that we are being judged by the world, that we are being reviewed by the world? Or are we driven in a way which says, I am made for a whole nother world and I'm living a part of a greater kingdom. And at the end of the day, what I'm concerned about is that I've impressed him. And at the end of the day, that I've been successful in his eyes according to his work. See, the big picture is this. God doesn't love you, right? He doesn't love you for the things that you do and for your successes in your production. He loves you because you are his child. You know, I, I, I'm, I've told you this story before, but I, I love it. And it was like life-changing for me is when we first got our kids in uh, walked into an orphanage and they came running through the crowd and I knew them by picture. And they came running through the crowd and I grabbed them for the first time. I could not have loved them any more than at that moment. And there's not a thing they could have done to change that. 
I mean, they didn't do anything to earn that love. They didn't do anything to cause me to love them. I just love them. And today, there's not a thing they could do that would cause me not to love them, good or bad. I just love them because they're mine. God just loves you because you're his. And if we would, I think, sometimes just let that like resonate over us, it might help us to settle, to relax some. In fact, sometimes I think, right, this battle, this craziness, it happens in our mind. And, and that's one of the things I would say as we start this series, ask God to give you peace of mind. Listen to 632. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. I love that word. These things, they dominate. When I saw that word, it stuck out to me. It was like light bulbs going off. It was like it was bigger and bolder and italicized when I was reading it in my Bible because I thought this. That sometimes, I don't know about you, but when I run at a fast clip and I have no margin, I have no wiggle room, here's the, great, here's the place that runs the fastest. It's not the physical me. It is the mental me. It is the mental me and, and the way this brain just churns and I can't get it to shut off. I go to sleep with it churning and I wake up with it churning and I go through the day with it churning. And sometimes, I, like one of the most practical things I need is to say, God, I need you to slow me down. I need you to do a work in my head, right? I need you to give me peace to help all this chaos to rest because the world is drawing me in and the world is saying, think harder and think longer and think faster. And and sometimes I think you're like, hey, dude, rest in me. Like, don't, don't take on all of this. But take on my peace. Romans 12 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And then the final place I want us to end up, focus on the day at hand and living it with Jesus' help. Verse 34, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Oh, man, put that on the fridge. Today's trouble is enough for today. Now, this doesn't mean that you don't use your calendar. You don't plan ahead. If you opened up my calendar, you could look for, you know, the next months and there's stuff all over the place, right? I'm, I'm a planner. But what would it look like for us to be more present in the day versus always our mind moving out in front? Well, that we would be more present in, in our relationships, right? That we would be more present as, as God kind of says, today is, is not just about you accomplishing this madness. Today is about me breaking in, my presence make, being made known to you that you would serve me today in all of this madness. Here, here's where I want us to, here's where I kind of want us to conclude. I, I was telling you about my, my last Wednesday. Um, my first meeting at eight o'clock, it was with someone very significant. Um, his name is Jesus. At eight o'clock, I went to the coffee shop and I ordered a coffee and I sat in this black chair and I thought the first 20 minutes, 25 minutes, uh, I'm just going to meet with Jesus today. And so I drank my coffee and I read a chapter in this book that um, is just kind of at a place where I, I need to be reading right now. And then I, I finished that chapter and it had me thinking about things and a passage, like I, some, I call it the Lord, but um, I felt like Psalm 27 came to mind. And now, does that mean I know what Psalm 27 says? It doesn't. It just means I flip to it. 
I flipped to Psalm 27, and here's what it said. I didn't hear an audible voice, but I knew when I read Psalm 27, it was God's word becoming alive in me for that given day. Here's what it said. Hear me as I pray, O Lord, be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. I thought, here it is, right? This, 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 I've carved out, this we talked about, talked about last week, this relationship with Jesus. I've given him, um, hey, we're gonna start the day together, right? I sat down and he gave me, and basically what he's saying is, come and talk with me. And then what's my response supposed to be? Lord, I'm coming. And so I put my phone away. It was the Bible app I was using. So I stuck that in my pocket and uh, I walked out the door and I just thought, okay, Lord, I know I'm going from meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting, but on my way to the office, I just prayed through each meeting. Lord, when I go into this meeting, like help us to think about what we need to think about. As we go into a meeting and we're planning this weekend service, help us, like give us creativity. As we go into a meeting and we're preparing for Easter, God, I give you Easter. I pray that Easter would not just bring glory to Crossbridge. It would bring glory to you and people would discover you. As, as I thought through my meetings, I, I just said, God, here is my schedule now. And, and here's what I discovered, right? When I started my day putting God above all else, even in the midst of a chaotic day, as I walked through that day, it gave him room to break in, for his presence to be made known to me, for peace to be ushered in, even in the midst of fast-paced life. But I think it requires, for all of us, it requires intentionality of putting God above all else. That our first meeting of each day would always be him. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. I, I, as we move through the series, here's what I want you to think about. I, I don't have all the answers, but here's what I want you to, I want you to do. God... Help me to practically slow down. God, help me to create wiggle room that I might be healthier, but I also, that I truly would just be more aware of your presence, that my relationship with you would be above all else and it would actually, it would begin to like take precedence. And then God entrusting that when it does, everything else that I call the chaoticness of life, God, you can take care of all of that. And you can lead me every step of the way. Father, thank you for your word, for your truth, for your challenge. Speak to us and help us be obedient. In Jesus' name, amen.